Welcome to the Three Down Nation and podcast powered by Jiffy Lube. He's Justin Dunk and I'm John Hodge. We're back with a brand new schedule where we'll be recording on Wednesday mornings and posting the show around noon Eastern time. Don't forget to check your podcast feeds and subscribe if you haven't already. We'll also be posting some highlights of the show on our YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and more. So make sure you're following all of our social channels. Today, we're discussing a trade between the Argos and Bombers. Saskatchewan losing another offensive lineman to retirement. Yikes. The CFL implementing NFL-style injury reports. Michael Riley returns to practice. The shoulder feeling good. And the Red Blacks suspending potential starting running back Akeem Hunt. But first, Derek Dennis took to Twitter on Monday stating, quote, I regret signing with Edmonton. Now I got to deal with this BS, end quote. <laughs> Dunkster, what do you make of this situation? Well, it appears Derek Dennis would like to get let out of his contract or traded from the Edmonton Elks. He did actually sign with the team not too long ago, Hodge. I believe it was in January. But at that time, he felt like he was going to go in there and be a starting offensive lineman for the Elks. Things change. Sir Vincent Rogers is healthy. And Dennis flat out just doesn't want to go in there and be a backup and also play for the money that he signed for on that contract that's under $100,000. Yeah, I was talking with somebody this week. The quote made its way into insider talk. So check that out on the site if you haven't already. But, you know, this is something that Brock Sunderland and Edmonton likes to do. He likes to offer vets who are on the shelf two-year deals with, you know, a, a relatively cheap year one and then a bigger year two. Why? Well, because it's the CFL and it's really easy to, to renegotiate the second year of the deal when it comes around anyway. And I think, honestly, Dennis probably should have just waited because right now, if you're the Hamilton Tiger Cats who, you know, don't have Chris Van Zyl on the field right now, if you're the Saskatchewan Rough Riders who have lost, let me check, oh yeah, everybody on the offensive line, uh, having a guy like Derek Dennis uh, in the clubhouse, I think would be really nice. So, yeah, I think it's just a matter of he shouldn't have signed the deal. It was a mistake, and he's going to have a hard time potentially getting out of the deal because Edmonton knows that other teams want him. That's right. And from Edmonton's perspective, you're talking about competition. So you have the guy under contract. It doesn't cost you anything on the salary cap. So why not hold on to his rights? And he did, after all, sign the deal this year. On Dennis's side, you can understand because he's not wanting to play in Edmonton, but the club is under no obligation to release him. Now, Dennis could have his agent or even himself look through the contract and see if there's any sort of way to get out of it. Or the other way to go about it would be to play a nice political game, let's say, with Brock Sunderland and the Elks to get out of this contract, stating that it's BS and that you got to deal with it now <laughs> might not be the best way to force their hand. But if you kick and scream enough, maybe you'll get loose. Maybe. And, and let's also just talk for a moment, just league wide. Big bodies are coveted right now, whether it's guys like Brennan Labatt stepping away, a lot of veteran offensive linemen retiring. Trey Rutherford was a huge loss in Montreal as a young future all-star on that offensive line. You know, we've seen so many big guys step away, whether it's to Kobe Cofield, who was the, the backup tackle in, uh, in Saskatchewan in 2019. And even Thaddeus Coleman, age 36, 
he's still got a home. He went to Edmonton after they lost Tommy Draheim to retirement. So if you're over six foot three and you are over 300 pounds right now, throw your resume at somebody involved in the CFL because there's a decent chance to get signed, first of all. And secondly, there is suddenly a huge market for Dennis, which there wasn't in the winter, just because, as we said, Dunkster, everybody needs these big bodies. And frankly, I think that's why we will see him get traded at some point. But if I'm Edmonton, there's no way I'm cutting him for free so he can go help Saskatchewan or Hamilton or somebody else. I'm waiting for somebody to make me a really nice offer in the trade market, and I'll take my asset and uh, go about the rest of my day. To me, that's the way it gets done. And if you're Sunderland sitting there, you're thinking, I'm not just going to let Dennis walk to potentially a West Division team that we're going to compete with and try to make the playoffs against. I want something to value. Exactly. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Dunkster. And that's why I don't think we've seen the end of this chapter. But uh, hopefully we see Dennis play in 2021 because he makes the league uh, certainly a more interesting place. He's a big character. We'd love that. Next up, Dunkster, it organically shows. That was Ty Cat's offensive coordinator, Tommy Condell's way of describing how the Tabbies will choose a number one quarterback. No genetically modified decision will be made in the hammer. Where is this battle at right now between Jeremiah Mazzoli and Dane Evans? Well, according to head coach Orlando Steinauer and the aforementioned Condell, it's a dead heat right now. They're going to let this competition play out literally all the way the, to the end of training camp unless one of either Jeremiah Masoli or Dane Evans really starts to show themselves and separate from the other guy. But to me, it sounds like the Ticats want it to be so apparent that the decision essentially makes itself. You know, talking to some people around the league who aren't obviously at Tiger Cats training camp every single day, they're adamant that the decision has already been made. Evans lost his last time out and upset in the Grey Cup, to be quite honest, after throwing those early interceptions, looked shell-shocked in that game. Now, it's difficult with all the pressure on you in a Grey Cup, but... Masoli gets the upfront money. So the thinking around the league is that it's easier for the Ticats to start with Masoli and go to Evans if they need, if Masoli struggles, then do it the other way around. Yeah, that's that's something I've been thinking about this whole time. We talked about this a little bit on last week's show, and I still think Jeremiah Masoli is going to be the week one starter. I've always thought that, even with Orlando Steinauer insisting that it's a true competition. And, you know, saying like, oh, ask the players themselves. They're both in this. I, I get it. That's what they're going to say. But at the end of the day, these guys put up almost identical numbers in 2019. They put up almost identical records. It helps when you've got the talent that's on that roster. And it also helps when you're playing in the East Division and you get to beat up on some of the weaker teams in that side of the country. Uh, but I, I just don't see it. I, I think. And that's the other thing. What, what if they truly are tied? What? They, like, you're going to flip a coin for week one? No, somebody's <laughs> got to step up and win the job. And I think it's Jeremiah Mazzoli for the reason you said. It's really easy to give Jeremiah Mazzoli the reins and take them away down the down the line potentially and give them to the new guy where he became, becomes potentially the face of the tabbies and the other way around. You can't you can't start Evans and then put Mazzoli in there a few weeks down the line if he falters. That doesn't work. 
Especially when Masoli got $125,000 up front and Bingo. is due to make $350,000. Imagine having that type of money going to your backup quarterback, Kaj. I mean, the Ticats did do it before when they benched Zach Caleros, but that was after the team started 0-8. Completely different situation. The other point that's been made to me by smart coaches around the league, Hodge, is you see, for example, in Saskatchewan, Jason Moss laid out the rep count in the first week of riders practice. Cody Fajardo got over 300 reps. For the rest of the other four quarterbacks combined, there was only 120. Now, that's really only in Skelly or the team periods, but still, it shows me the riders are committed to getting Fajardo ready. So if you're the Ticats, do you not want to start to at least lean towards making a decision earlier rather than later the end of camp? Because you have these guys coming off essentially two years away from football and you want to get your starter prepared to play. I understand that the Ticats feel like they have two starting quarterbacks or a 1A and a 1B, however what you want to slice it up. But if you're going to have Masoli go into week one, I guess that's the guy we're making our Bodog betting favorite to be the Ticats' <laughs> number one quarterback heading into that game against the Bombers, that you want to give him the majority of the reps, right? I think so, uh, certainly for that week of practice. The the difference that I would say is, you know, in, in Hamilton, they've got three quarterbacks there, period. Jamar Smith is the third guy. They, it's there, There's no competition there for the third string role. They've handed it to him. Whereas Saskatchewan, they're looking to figure out, okay, who's the backup, who's the backup to the backup, et cetera. They got four guys there behind Cody Fajardo, who I think all have a lot of upside. you got Isaac Harker, who's a wonderlick genius. You've got a former first-round NFL draft pick in Paxton Lynch we're going to talk about. you got Mason Fine, who can run around. And you got you got uh, Flacco, who's, of course, the, the younger brother of the former Super Bowl MVP. So there's a lot for them to figure out. Uh, but yes, Dunkster, I think that's wise. they gotta, they got to, at least by week one, preferably maybe even a little sooner, make a decision. we got to take a quick break, but we'll be right back after All right, summer's coming. Are you ready to unveil that beach bod you've been working so hard to show off? You're in luck. Our friends at Manscaped just launched their fourth generation performance package, which includes the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right. The 4.0. Compliment your summer bod with a trim from the leaders in male grooming. The sun is shining and calling your name, fellas. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust manscaped and get ready for hot guy summer by going to manscaped.com for 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code fansided20 want to take your grooming game even further to the next level the performance package 4.0 also includes the weed whacker to chop down your worst weeds up top the weed whacker is also waterproof and uses nine thousand rpm motor powered by 360 degree rotary dual blade system this nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin safe technology which helps prevent nicks snags and tugs in those delicate holes ouch get 20 percent off for free shipping with the code fansided20 at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code fansided20 at manscaped.com escape the shrubs and weeds this summer with Manscaped. Former NFL draft pick Paxton Lynch is truly playing for the love of the game with the Riders. Coming north of the border for the CFL's minimum would indicate to you, Dunkster, under no obligation to release him. Now, Dennis could have 
his agent or even himself look through the contract and see if there's any sort of way to get out of it. Or the other way to go about it would be to play a nice political game, let's say, with Brock Sunderland and the Elks to get out of this contract, stating that it's BS and that you got to deal with it now <laughs> might not be the best way to force their hand. But if you kick and scream enough, maybe you'll get loose. Maybe. And, and let's also just talk for a moment, just league wide. Big bodies are coveted right now, whether it's guys like Brennan Labatt stepping away, a lot of veteran offensive linemen retiring. Trey Rutherford was a huge loss in Montreal, was a young future all-star on that offensive line. You know, we've seen so many big guys step away, whether it's to Kobe Cofield, who was the the backup tackle in uh, in Saskatchewan in 2019, and even Thaddeus Coleman, age 36. He's still got a home. He went to Edmonton after they lost Tommy Draheim to retirement. So if you're over six foot three and you are over 300 pounds right now, throw your resume at somebody involved in the CFL because there's a decent chance to get signed, first of all. And secondly, there is suddenly a huge market for Dennis, which there wasn't in the winter, just because, as we said, Dunkster, everybody needs these big bodies. And frankly, I think that's why we will see him get traded at some point, but if I'm Edmonton, there's no way I'm cutting him for free so we can go help Saskatchewan or Hamilton or somebody else. I'm waiting for somebody to make me a really nice offer in the trade market, and I'll take my asset and uh, go about the rest of my day. To me, that's the way it gets done. And if you're Sunderland sitting there, you're thinking, I'm not just going to let Dennis walk to potentially a West Division team that we're going to compete with and try to make the playoffs against. I want something to value. Exactly. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Dunkster. And that's why I don't think we've seen the end of this chapter. But uh, hopefully we see Dennis play in 2021 because he makes the league uh, certainly a more interesting place. He's a big character. We'd love that. Next up, Dunkster, it organically shows. That was Ty Cat's offensive coordinator, Tommy Condell's way of describing how the Tabbies will choose a number one quarterback. No genetically modified decision will be made in the hammer where is this battle at right now between Jeremiah Mazzoli and Dane Evans? Well, according to head coach Orlando Steinauer and the aforementioned Condell, it's a dead heat right now. They're going to let this competition play out literally all the way the, to the end of training camp unless one of either Jeremiah Mazzoli or Dane Evans really starts to show themselves and separate from the other guy. But to me... It sounds like the Ticats want it to be so apparent that the decision essentially makes itself. You know, talking to some people around the league who aren't obviously at Tiger Cats training camp every single day, they're adamant that the decision has already been made. Evans lost his last time out and upset in the Grey Cup, to be quite honest after throwing those early interceptions, look shell-shocked in that game. Now, it's difficult with all the pressure on you in a great cup, but Masoli gets the upfront money, so the thinking around the league is that it's easier for the Ticats to start with Masoli and go to Evans if they need, if Masoli struggles, than do it the other way around. Yeah, that's that's something I've been thinking about this whole time. We talked about this a little bit on last week's show, and I still think Jeremiah Masoli is going to be the week one starter. I've always thought that, even with Orlando Steinauer insisting that it's a true competition and you know, saying, like, oh, ask the players themselves. They're both in this. I, I get it. That's what they're going to say. 
But at the end of the day, these guys put up almost identical numbers in 2019. They put up almost identical records. It helps when you've got the talent that's on that roster. It also helps when you're playing in the East Division and you get to beat up on some of the weaker teams in that side of the country. Uh, but I, I just don't see it, I, I think. And that's the other thing. What, what if they truly are tied? What? They, like, you're going to flip a coin for week one? No, somebody's <laughs> got to step up and win the job. And I think it's Jeremiah Mazzoli for the reason you said. It's really easy to give Jeremiah Mazzoli the reins and take them away down the, down the line potentially and give them to the new guy where he began, becomes potentially the face of the tabbies and the other way around. You can't, you can't start Evans and then put Mazzoli in there a few weeks down the line if he falters. That doesn't work. Especially when Masoli got $125,000 up front and Bingo. is due to make $350,000. Imagine having that type of money going to your backup quarterback, Kaj. I mean, the Ticats didn't do it before when they benched Zach Caleros, but that was after the team started 0-8. Completely different situation. The other point that's been made to me by smart coaches around the league, Hodge, is you see, for example, in Saskatchewan, Jason Moss laid out the rep count in the first week of riders practice. Cody Fajardo got over 300 reps for the rest of the other four quarterbacks combined. There was only 120. Now wow. that's really only in Skelly or the team periods, but still it shows me the riders are committed to getting Fajardo ready. So if you're the tie cats, do you not want to start to at least lean towards making a decision earlier rather than later the end of camp? Because you have these guys coming off essentially two years away from football and you want to get your starter prepared to play. I understand that the Ticats feel like they have two starting quarterbacks or a 1A and a 1B, however you want to slice it up. But if you're going to have Masoli go into week one, I guess that's the guy we're making our Bodog betting favorite to be the Ticats' <laughs> number one quarterback heading into that game against the Bombers, that you want to give him the majority of the reps, right? I think so, uh, certainly for that week of practice. The, the difference that I would say is, you know, in, in Hamilton, they've got three quarterbacks there, period. Jamar Smith is the third guy. They, it's there, There's no competition there for the third string role. They've handed it to him. Whereas Saskatchewan, they're looking to figure out, okay, who's the backup, who's the backup to the backup, et cetera. They got four guys there behind Cody Fajardo, who I think all have a lot of upside. you got Isaac Harker, who's a wonderlick genius. You've got a former first-round NFL draft pick in Paxton Lynch we're going to talk about. you got Mason Fine, who can run around. And you got you got uh, Flacco, who's, of course, the, the younger brother of the former Super Bowl MVP. So there's a lot for them to figure out. Uh, but yes, Dunkster, I think that's wise. they got they got to, at least by week one, preferably maybe even a little sooner, make a decision. we got to take a quick break, but we'll be right back after this message. Former NFL draft pick Paxton Lynch is truly playing for the love of the game with the Riders. Coming north of the border for the CFL's minimum would indicate to you, Dunkster, what? That he's really actually doing this because he loves football. People question that when he was quickly, I dare say, cut by the Denver Broncos. Only played four games for them. Started four games, Hodge Lynch comes north of the border to sign with the Rough Riders for $65,000 in base salary. He has 
3,600 in housing and could get up to 2,800 because he's got a 200 per game active roster bonus. So that essentially takes his hard money total to just over $71,000 if he wins that backup job in Saskatchewan. We're talking about a guy, Hodge, that made over $8 million (laughs) in the NFL. He doesn't need this money. He doesn't need to come up here and waste his time with dealing with the COVID-19 protocols. He just moved to Denver with his beautiful wife, Gabrielle, and their children that they have there as well. But yet he decided, no, I'm going to go up to Canada. I love football so much that I'm willing to play for, you know, essentially $65,000 when I already got millions in the bank. That tells me that for Lynch, he's serious about reviving his pro football career. Well, let's remember when we say 65,000, it's prorated, right, from 18 to 14 games. So you're losing about 22%. And then there's the exchange rate. So when we really calculate how much money he's taking home, it's a drop in the bucket. I mean, it was a drop in the bucket already looking at what he's made in the NFL. But when you take into account the proration, when you take into account the exchange, absolutely dunkster. It's not a ton of money. And I'll give him all the credit in the world. Paxton Lynch, I think, said a lot of the right things. He was honest saying he wants to go back to the NFL, but he's been saying a lot of the right things so far. And I give him credit for trying to extend his career and uh, take advantage of the fact that, yeah, he doesn't need the money. He's doing this for the love of the game, and I I appreciate that. I certainly do, and it shows you that he's not coming to the CFL either with a big head and demanding a chunk of money in the form of a signing bonus a la Johnny Manziel. That was his stipulation, right? He wanted to be paid as a starting quarterback caliber quarterback in the CFL without actually having proven it. Lynch is going the opposite direction. Give me a $65,000 base minimum contract and I'll prove, hopefully he's thinking, that he's worth that starting quarterback money in the CFL and wants to get back to the NFL. The Argonauts, Hodge, and Winnipeg Blue Bombers made the CFL's first trade in a long time on Monday, swapping veteran defensive back Alden Darby for rookie offensive lineman Terry Poole why was the deal done? Well, I think what really brought on this deal is the fact that Mercy Maston uh, suffered a torn Achilles in practice. He would have been the Bombers' starting strong side linebacker. Uh, the Bombers start a really strong American safety in Brandon Alexander, and I think the plan is to move him to Sam, and then you can put Ronald Dar- or pardon me, Alden Darby back at the safety spot where he played six games for the Argos in 2019. He also has experience at corner, which has been a little bit of, uh, you know, an area the Bombers are trying to figure out. They lost Winston Rose and Marcus Sales. But the guy I'm really intrigued by in this trade is Terry Poole. The Bombers have arguably the two best American tackles in the CFL, or at least the, the best pairing, I should say, in Stanley Bryant at the left side and Jermarcus Hardrick on the right side. Tough for a guy like Poole to make that and, and beat one of those guys out. But I've talked to a lot of people who think he's a really great player, spent a lot of time in the NFL, was in the XFL, And I've even talked to people who think he's going to be the starting left tackle for the Argos as early as week one. He's got to be able to beat out Isaiah Cage for that. But Terry Poole, you know, certainly a name to watch. We were talking off the top. Offensive tackles are hard to find. This is a guy who, if you're an offensive line nerd like me, is uh, is worth keeping an eye on. First of all, Hodge, I think it's worth noting that the Bombers, and maybe this was largely due in part to Mike O'Shea, kept that Mercy Maston injury quiet until they executed the trade. Because the way that it came out publicly 
was that the deal was done and people were wondering, well, why are the Bombers trading for Darby? But then, oh, it makes sense because Mastin tears his Achilles. But that actually happened on Sunday and the news didn't come out until Monday. So you have a bunch of practice reporters there. I should say beat reporters at Bombers practice, but yet nobody reported it. So that to me is very intriguing just from an inside baseball media perspective. Absolutely. Indeed. Moving on. The CFL is reportedly going to implement NFL style injury reports for the 2021 season, meaning teams will have to disclose the nature of each injury, whether or not players practice that week and the likelihood that they'll dress for an upcoming game. Is this a good thing for the CFL? It is, man. And it's about time. People have talked about this for CFL fantasy leagues you know, around the country and even into the United States as well, that they'll start somebody in their lineup. And because of the depth chart schemery, let's say, that goes on between some of these teams, they think a player's starting, they're in their lineup, and then all of a sudden they get a zero. So for the CFL to be able to grow, obviously, especially single-game sports betting in Canada – and leverage those relationships and revenue for the Canadian Football League and also grow the popularity of CFL fantasy football, that you have to have this, right? If you go to your lineup, you got to be confident that whatever player you're putting in is actually going to play in that football game. And the same thing for betting. When you're putting down money, you need to know all of the information possible. There can't be any of what goes on now. And it's really only a few teams. I'll give Craig Dickinson credit. During Riders Camp, he's been upfront about the injuries, come out and talked about them when he knows that. Exactly. So we need to see that league-wide. I'm not saying that other coaches haven't done it, but the Riders have obviously had a rash of injuries with the Achilles that they suffered, plus some other ones. But in comparison, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have Andrew Harris leave a practice and they say it's for an appointment. We know that's bogus. So no more of that. And to be quite honest, Hodge, I hope it's enforced by the league in terms of discipline, fines, whatever it needs to be, because it's only going to benefit the CFL's pockets in the Uh, long run. Absolutely. Yes. And it's happened before, right? It's even happened. Like, like, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but TSN gets different depth charts than the rest of the media gets. And that is because some of the depth chart shenanigans that go on, Uh, You know, TSN wants the real depth chart, but we've even seen instances where guys are introduced by TSN in the secondary, wherever else, and they never start in the game. The game, it's a completely different player. And it's obviously a ploy by one team to try to pull the wool over the eyes of their opponent. And I don't necessarily blame the teams for doing it because if everybody's doing it, well, what's the incentive to stop? It's like, well, we're not going to be honest and straight up because guess what? This other team's not going to be honest and straight up. So I think it's wonderful that the league is getting it all squared away because as you said, Dunkster, if you want people to play fantasy in this league, if you want people to bet on this league, they have to know days in advance who's actually playing in the games. And I'm the first person to, 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 to defend the CFL in a lot of regards, but it's Bush league, Bush league when you can't even, just have a coach come out and just be honest about the nature of an injury. I'm not asking him to tell me that it was the left flangy clavicle, whatever, but just say, Hey, it's an ankle. He's going to miss two weeks done. That's all I need to know. Thank you. Moving on. Or even upper or lower body. That's an easy way to take. I think in my mind now, personally, I'm not a huge fan of upper and lower, but I'll take it over an appointment. The Toronto Argonauts 
took to Facebook on the weekend seeking housing for 50 to 60 players and staff come the start of August. Dunkster, do you think the team should have had their housing situation sorted out already considering the season starts in two weeks? In a short answer, yes. In a little bit longer of an explanation, I suppose I can understand that the season maybe came together quickly and the Argos might not have wanted to play football in 2021, Hudge, so maybe they didn't <laughs> plan this out. But overall, to me, if you're a professional football team, you need to be prepared for this, Hodge. And I've been in Toronto for a good part of the pandemic. That's where I am right now downtown. And I can tell you there are condo buildings and similar places like that around the city that are empty because a bunch of people moved home. I think the younger crowd, especially because they couldn't afford to live here while the pandemic was going home and a bunch of people lost jobs. So those people will slowly start coming back. But if you're the Argos, there had to be some anticipation that there was going to be a season in 2021. Now, I've had some smart people say to me, hey, how do CFL teams not have housing set up in every single city? And I think that's valid. And there are a number of teams that do. You know, Hamilton and Saskatchewan jumped to mind for me. I'm sure they have a similar setup in Winnipeg where the rookies that are coming in are taken care of in that regard. But the Argos need to get something together here where they're not going out to Facebook and the public and asking <laughs> For housing, I mean, I'm sure there's some diehard Argos fans that would put people up in their house, but that's only going to last for so long. There you go, man. And I'll, I'll say this. I got a note from somebody in the Argos organization after that article came up, and my first thought was like, oh, this is not going to be good. They're not happy about this article. <laughs> and they came back, and they were like, hey, your article helped. We got a bunch of people contacting us because of that article. I saw this on 3Down. We have some housing for you. So the next time somebody wants to sit on Twitter and talk about a three downs, just banging on the Argos. We hate the Argos. Well, we're the reason your team has houses. We are the reason. Uh, okay, maybe not the only reason, but we're a little, we're a little tiny bit of the reason and uh, that your, your team's not sitting out in the cold. So we'll, uh, we'll take the credit for that. Dougster, it is time for a quick break. When we come back, it'll be time for Hodges Heritage Moment. Now time for Hodges Heritage Moment. A shorty today, Dougster. On this day in 2000, the Edmonton Elks and Winnipeg Blue Bombers scored a combined 67 points in the second half of a 51-49 victory at Canada Stadium for Edmonton. It remains the highest scoring half in CFL history. Dougster, you were at Guelph University for a long time. Do you ever score 67 points in a half? Ooh, well, not us individually as a team, but I can remember dropping a cool 50 against the University of Toronto when they were just terrible, man. I hate to say it. The Varsity Blues a little better now, though. Yeah, dropping 50 on the U of T today means something. Dropping 50 on the U of T 10 years ago. Eh, man, come on. <laughs> come on. Anyways, you, you, know it, who will never, you know who will never let you down, though, is Jiffy Loop. Jiffy Lube is the place to go when you want your car taken care of. Get a great deal on an oil change. Keep that ride, ride and slick. Get her done at Jiffy Lube. We're now on to the three-minute drill powered by Jiffy Lube. Dunkster Canadian defensive tackle David Onyemata will be suspended for part of the 2021 NFL regular season after testing positive for a banned substance. For the Saints missed him in the middle. 
Yes, man, he can push the pocket and he's stout against the run. They'll want him to get back in the lineup real quick. Rough Riders offensive line coach Stephen Sorrells told the media that Brendan Labatt is going to be a first ballot Hall of Fame inductee. Do you think so, too, Hunt? Brendan Labatt is incredible, but my answer is no. There's only ever been one person as a first ballot inductee in the Football Hall of Fame. That's Gene Mikowski. I think Labatt's going to have to wait a couple of years. Like 99% of the players. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders lost former NFL tackle Cyrus Kwanjo to retirement on Monday, which caught the team off guard. With Taron Vaughn missing a shoulder injury, are the Riders in trouble along the offensive line? It could be a little bit. I'm sure that's why they're hoping Derek Dennis might be able to get out of his contract so they can get in those sweepstakes. BC Lions guard Suk Chung and the Lions offensive line is coming into 2021 with the proverbial chips on their shoulders. <laughs> is that appropriate, Hodge? Yes, they were no good in, uh, in 2019. Well, I think that the scheme and the overall fit, Mike Riley, hold on, Michael Riley, probably holding onto the ball for too long will probably, but yes, they should be coming into this year with a chip on their shoulders. Got a lot to prove. The CFL announced that three of the 10 positive COVID tests from last week were actually false. Dunkster rephrased the league for only having 10, so seven's got to be even better, right? It definitely is, my man. Let's keep that number low, low, low. Riders receiver Braden Lenius lost 25 pounds, partly by swapping chicken wings for cauliflower bites. Yum, yum, yum. Haji, would you ever consider doing that, though? There are lots of things I'd be willing to credit on my diet to cut some weight. Chicken wings, not one of them. Feel break them. Keeping the weight. Michael Riley has returned to the field after missing four practices with shoulder soreness. That's a great sign for Lions, no? It really is time to get that right arm cannon loaded up and ready for the season. The Red Blacks suspended potential starting running back Akeem Hunt, the former NFLer. He's returned to the United States. Is that a bad sign for the RB? Yeah, the team would not elaborate on why he's back in the United States, but he seemed to be getting a lot of first-team reps. The first few days of camp, that's not a good sign. That team cannot afford to lose any firepower options. Former Elk Special Teams coordinator A.J. Gass has joined the coaching staff at the University of Alberta after leaving the Elks for personal reasons. Interesting. It really is. Those personal reasons. You never quite know what they're about. Never quite know. BC Lions offensive line coach Leroy Blue has left the team for personal and health matters. Prayers up. Are they going to miss him? Absolutely. Leroy Blue, one of the greatest Canadian defensive players of all time, and a spectacular coach as well. We should have that. The Riders have brought fans back for practice, and the Ticats will do the same next week. That's got to be a good sign, no? Yes, sir, it is. Hopefully these case counts keep going down in the provinces across our great country. Ticats All-Star receiver Braylon Addison said, quote, it would be sweet to spoil the Bombers dropping the banner on opening night. Woo! I love it. Some spicy talk going into that rematch. Yeah, it's been a while since we had some good uh, bulletin board materials, so I'm, I'm loving it. Last one, Dunkster, Saskatchewan Rough Riders have Evan Johnson permission to miss practice for the first, uh, for the birth of the first child. I'd get a thumbs up or a thumbs down from you. Two thumbs up. It only happens, you know, maybe once or twice, or for some people, they don't decide to have kids. But in this case, it's a rare event. Craig Dickinson said that they like to be aware of these things and that even though on the prairies, football is super important, that family, especially having a child, is well above that. So good on the riders for letting them go home. Make a short trip, obviously. 
Agreed. Two thumbs up for me as well. You can't miss that. And don't miss the Three Down Nation podcast next week. We'll be back on Wednesday. Again, check out the YouTube page, the site, video, player, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. We'll have lots of highlights from the show. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll see you next time.